Pesach requires joy. In order, however, to be prepared, you must start at the beginning of Adar, where we are right now. You can't be glum and sad, and suddenly when Purim comes in, you jump up and down and you celebrate. No! You're doing it with a heavy heart. So when Adar comes in, you begin looking for ways and means for generating happiness, and you look at the world. Ah, that's step number one. The world is full of happiness. The sunshine causes, up, causes happiness. The fact that you're able to see, one of the greatest pleasures in the world is to be able to see. It's fun to see. When you wake up in the morning and you say, Pokeach Evrim, Pokeach Evrim, you say that every morning. And it's a good thing to close your eyes before you say Pokeach Evrim. Now open your eyes and say, whoa, it's great to see. It's a great fun to see. We have to practice that. We take it for granted. It's something we have to practice. Once you get practicing it, you'll be filled with happiness that we can see. Thank you, Hashem. I can see color cameras, eyes. Hashem gives you two eyes. In case one has a uh, an infection in it, or a speck of dust, you still have a second eye to see with. That's that's the big cheshbon uh, of Hashem that He's doing kindnesses. The wisdom and the and the chesed and the power of Hashem giving us two. Over and we'll be able to do the job. Now, when we say pokeach evrim, he opens up the eyes of the blind. Why doesn't it say? The question is, why does it say pokeach enayim? He opens our eyes. That's the question of, of the rabbi. And he says like this, he says, uh, because first of all, when you open your eyes and, and you get, and because you were blind all night, is what he says. You actually, all night you were blind. You were blind, you had your eyes closed, you were sleeping. You can't see anything when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're sleeping. Your, eyes, your, your eyelids are closed, you're closing your eyes. So you're like, it's as if you are blind. And when you open your eyes, we don't say pokeh enayim. But he doesn't open your eyes because he's opening up the eyes. We have to feel you were blind. Now, the question over there, he asks, so what about the hearing? What about how come we don't have a beracha in the morning uh, that you're allowing me to hear? We should have a, such a beracha. The truth of the matter is you're supposed to make a beracha without Hashem's name. Say, tell Hashem in the morning, I want to thank you, I can hear. And this is a very, this is his question. So why don't we have a regular beracha? Why didn't Chazal give us a beracha on hearing? And he gives us a tremendous answer. He goes, because the truth of the matter is, you were hearing all night when you were sleeping and the baby started crying. Didn't you hear the baby? You were sleeping. So your hearing was never shut down when you were sleeping and your alarm went off in the morning. Didn't you hear it? So your hearing really wasn't shut down. So not like your eyes when they're really, when you're, when you're sleeping, your eyes are shut down. You can't see anything. You're not looking. You can't see. If whatever's moving in front of your eyes, you won't be able to see it. So therefore, there's no blessing that you open our ears. There's no blessing uh, with Shema Miforash to say that you open our ears because really your ears were never closed to begin with. That's a great answer. Think about that. Now, as far as seeing, it's fun to see. You have, to, you have two movie cameras taking pictures constantly wherever you look. Color pictures. Isn't it fun to see? You know, dogs don't see in color. Many animals don't see in color. But we see in color, color pictures. And we see a... It's, uh, it focuses, self-focus, and it's in an instant, less than an instant, you see a far object and a close object without even having to focus the camera. In the old days, you'd have to, uh, single lens reflex, you'd have to t focus the camera from, a, from afar to a, single, to a, to a close, close uh, uh, image you know, in order to see it. But the eyes see it immediately, instantaneously. Now, oh, now you close your eyes. If you close them, you see a dark, Sad world. Open your eyes. Oh, moving pictures. And they function in synchronization together. The pictures are recorded in your mind. Now, you know the pictures that you are taking right now will never be forgotten. They'll never be forgotten. Rabbi says, I could prove it to you. The pictures are recorded forever in your mind. Forty years later, somebody will say, you remember sitting in Rabbi Miller's shul years ago? He was talking about the wonders of creation. How about when you were, the pictures that you took all, all through your life? You, you have that smell, even pictures of smell, smell, sight. You have pictures of touch, of, of hearing. These pictures are locked into your brain, into the, into the 
filing cabinet of your mind, the rabbi would say. The filing cabinet of your mind. Your mind is bigger than the biggest, biggest computer ever. And it's, it stays in there, as the Kuzari tells us, forever. You can't get it out of your mind. That smell that you smelled in your grandmother's house when she was baking uh, delicious uh, delicacies. And you, you smelled that 50 years ago, 60 years ago, whenever you smelled it. And maybe you haven't smelled it for 50 years. All of a sudden, you pass a, uh, uh, you pass your, your aunt's kitchen, and she's making the same thing. And you take that whiff, and your grandma's house comes back to life in your brain because that smell is already always in your brain. And it brings back all the thoughts that you had when you had that in your mind. So the, we, we, we see how, how the brain is an unbelievable function of capturing the thoughts and bringing them back up. But over here we're talking about the eyes and all these sights that we see with our eyes that are always with us forever. So we have to be, we have to be careful what we see, certainly. And when we see good things, those good things also will be uh, saved in the ca- filing cabinet of our, of our minds and we'll be able to utilize, the, utilize them to gain happiness when the time comes all the time hopefully because oh yes the rabbi says oh yes now i remember the picture suddenly fa- flashes out from the filing cabinets of your mind and you see everything more once more where were the pictures for 40 years it was there because the pictures you are taking are never erased from your mind you might forget because it goes back in the depths of your cabinets but the pictures are there someday you might take them out and see them again and reminisce about your youth you remember even the voices that's because you have a Ah, it's fun to see. Ah, it's fun to breathe. Take a deep breath. When you walk out in the morning, open the door, take a deep breath. Tell Hashem, it's great uh, air you're giving me. I want to thank you for the air. The air is not just air. It's a concoction. It's a cocktail. It's a mixture of gases, all kinds of gases. Oxygen, nitrogen, carbon dioxide, inert gases, all mixed up special for you. Because he wants you to enjoy the air. Let's all practice somehow filling our lungs with this wonderful air in this little spe- in this in this little place over here. Everybody, take a deep breath. Ah, that's joy. So these are practices we have to, we have to have in our minds and in, and, and 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 physically to do these things in order to evoke happiness. That's deep. It's deep embedded with in, in inside of us. We have the fountain of joy inside of us. All we gotta do is dole it out. Maim amukim ish. The tells us deep wells are the counsel inside of a man. That counsel is already embedded. It's in your neshama. But ish tevunot, a man of understanding, yidlena, he should go down and dole it out. Go down with a bucket and bring it up with that bucket. Don't don't let it just sit down in the, in the well. You have to bring it up with the bucket, and then you'll start to bring up things that you never even thought you knew before. That's the, that's that's the idea. When you start to learn about these things, you start to bring up all kinds of ideas, all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of simha that you never even thought you had. Why? Because it's already it, it, it's already been planted in you. But you got to go up and bring that bring up the plants. The rabbi continues and he says, it's fun to be alive. That's the biggest fun there is. Simha tahayim. It's called simha tahayim. Say, ubaharta uh, bahayim. You should choose life. Being alive he says, Rabbi said, Baruch Hashem, it's fun to live. It's fun as the heart causes the blood to course through your vessels. It's fun. Everything in life is fun. How silly people are. You know when they realize life is fun? When they're on the verge of dying. Oh, 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 it's all over. Now it is the time. Enjoy life right now when you're alive. Enjoy it. It's fun everywhere. When you sit down tomorrow morning at breakfast, it's fun to use those teeth to chew food. Teeth are fun. False teeth are fun also. Life is fun. Life is happiness. And we thank HaKadosh Baruch for it. The rabbi continues off and says, Chodesh Tovum Borach, because this week you had Rosh Chodesh Adar. That's one way the rabbi is uh, teaching us how to have, increase your joy, by these stratagems, by, by seeing how much, how much, how much, Joy Hashem has implanted us, how many things and how we should enjoy these things and see how fun, how much fun Hashem wants us to have with your eyes, with your lungs, with your, with your teeth, with your food. It's all fun with your, with your blood pumping. It's all fun. But all we have to do is stop and realize it and appreciate it. Now, he answers the same question probably many, many ways, but I want to give you another answer that he gives for the exact same question 
that he gave a live answer to this question. So, so now the question was posed as follows. In the month of Adar, we should increase our happiness. But being Bismillah, like he says it like we just said. My question is, how do I do it? How should I acquire more Simcha in the month of Adar? Similar, if not the same question. And he answers as follows. And he says, and the answer is, you have to know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has made each person in a fountain, has meant inside of each person, a fountain of Simcha, a fountain of happiness. Only that fountain has to be primed. As we said, I have to go down and get the, get the well from the fountain. But once you open up the fountain and it starts gushing forth, it's, you'll be surprised how much simcha there is within your own mind. Once you start thinking about how happy this month of Adar is, when Hashem showed us a picture of how Aman is hanging with all of his sons, the happiness will begin to gush forth from your mind. Only that you'll have to think about what happened. Only that you have to think about what happened on Purim. That's a big happiness. Hashem lifted up the curtain. Hashem was hiding. Hashem is always hiding. Hamelech, Hamelech, Hamelech. Inside the the the, uh, the Megillat Purim doesn't say Hashem Yukir Babke. It only says Hamelech because he's hiding. How could Hashem? Hashem is running the whole show. Hashem is pulling all the strings, but it doesn't say once Hashem. Every time it says Hamelech, that's Melech Malchei Hamelachim Hakadosh Baruch Hu. But he's hiding. So sometimes, so, so it says Oteor Kasalma Note Shamaim Kairiah. We said that this week in the Barachin Nafshi Oteor Kasalma. King David said it. Hashem is oteor kasama. Sometimes he's wearing the or, the light, like a cloak. Sometimes he's wearing the light like, like a person, wearing a certain clothing, and he's approaching you, and you could tell about the person from the clothing he wears. You can, it gives you some kind of an idea about the person from his clothing. Same thing, Hashem is oter or kasama. He's wearing the light like a cloak. He wears the whole... Light means the Bri'ah. He's wearing the Bri'ah. The Bri'ah, that's the light. The, the whole world. Hashem is revealing Himself in the kindness and power and, and, and wisdom in the world. That's his, blo- that's his clothing. That's the clothing of Hashem. And you could see Him in His Bri'ah. That's Shara Bechina by Rabbeinu Bachya. That's what we have to do. That's Abraham Abinu. You couldn't see Hashem. Nobody could see Hashem. But you can see Hashem and you have to see Hashem in His creations. Oteor Kasama. Then on the other side, Noteh Shamaim Kairi'ah. Oh, there's two sides of it. Noteh Shamaim Kairi'ah means he's peeking, he's peering through the Shamaim, through the heavens. Kairi'ah means like a curtain rise. It's like, it's like a person on the 25th floor of a apartment building, and he's, look, you're sitting, you're on the, you're, you're walking in the street. You can't see him at all, but he's peering from the 25th floor, maybe through his curtain, through his, through his Venetian blinds. Now, he can see you, but you cannot see him. So Hashem, sometimes he's hidden. He's hidden behind that curtain rod. He sees, he sees everybody. He sees us, but he's peering behind the curtain. We, we don't see him. Many times, most of the times, we don't see Hashem in the world. Maybe Ma'achorav, you could see him after things happen. But you can't see Hashem necessarily in the world, all, all, all things that are happening in the world. You could see him from his creations. But sometimes you can't. It, it, he's very hidden. Sometimes he's revealed, and sometimes Hashem is concealed. That's the, that's the dichotomy. That's a contradiction. He's revealed and he's concealed. But over here in Purim, Hashem lifted the curtain. He lifted the curtain. The whole time he was concealed, but when he finally, Haman was hung on the tree and Mordechai had the, the, the ring of the king on his finger, that was open revelation, basically, that Hashem was running the, running the world and he's running the ship for the benefit of his beloved people, the Am Yisrael. And the people went wild with happiness. Wild. They went so wild that they reaccepted the Torah Shibhtav and Trash They reaccepted the Torah. But they didn't accept, you know, when the, when the Jewish people were on Har Sinai, they were certainly on the highest level possible. The highest level of all time. The highest level. They were all prophets. They all heard God's voice, means they were prophets. And they even went through the the Sea of Suf. They saw prophecies through the even the ladies saw more than Yechezkel ben Buzi, that uh, was one of the greatest prophets of all time. They saw Maasim and Kava. The ladies were on such a high level, so you can imagine the men too, at what a high level they were on. They were able to point 
and see some manifestation, some nevuah, that this is Hashem and I will adorn him. And all this was all this was prepared for prior to that by uh, by by Madrigot, by steps. They went through the steps of Shabud, the suffering in Mitzrayim. And then they called out to Hashem, Aku. And then they saw the unbelievable miracles of the ten plagues. And then they saw the destruction of the enemy. They saw the Makat Bechorot, unbelievable. And all these things, all these steps brought them to the highest level of Emunah and Bitahon, and all the steps that they, all the holiness that they had. And yet, and yet, they still had a problem, the Jewish people. They had, it was a problem, it was a, a burden for them, a problem for them to, to accept the Torah, to accept the 613. So much so that Hashem said, you got to accept it because Sham Tehir Kiburatim, the Gemara tells us. Hashem says, if you don't accept it, I'm going to bury you right over here. I picked up the mountain and bury you. Well, our, our rabbis have also explained that it, it means that there was an open revelation like we're talking about over here. Open. Hashem doesn't like to do open revelations at all. Open. Because it ruins the free will. If Hashem was to make miracles, if he started to talk from the sun, if he started to make open miracles against nature, against nature. He's doing it all the time, by the way. You just have to start to examine nature. You see, he's doing... The whole nature is a miracle. But if he does open nature, changing open miracles that he's changing nature, this is not according to his plan. Does he do it every once in a while? He does it. Does he like to do it? He doesn't like to do it. Because, again, the whole life is based on free will. All of our reward and punishment is based on free will. That's it. We have freedom of, of action, but not freedom of results, of course. Our freedom is the freedom to do and to want to do. Freedom between good to choose. Freedom of choice between good and bad. But if you have a policeman standing in front of a guy... And the guy wants to, he has intention to rob the jewelry store or the bank. And the policeman has a shotgun to the guy's head. Does he have any freedom at that point? He has no freedom. He's he, he would never rob the store because his free will has been taken away by the policeman with a shotgun. Now, Hashem, also, he hides himself because he wants to give us free will. He's hiding himself all the time. Now, it's up to you. You can open up your eyes every day and see the sun up in the sky and say, Hashem is holding up the sun. See his hands. Of course, he got no hands, but see something holding up the sun. Or you see a, a chain, a rope holding up the sun. It means there's somebody holding it up. That's the idea. So you, it, it, it's, it, 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 it's showing you, it's reminding you, whether it's the sun, whether it's the stars, whether it's the moon, whether it's the ocean, whether it's your child's face. These all... These all... That, that's, the, that's a miracle. Hashem could reveal himself and conceal himself at the same exact time. Because that's that's only Hashem could do such a thing. But no, let's get back to Har Sinai. Har Sinai, Hashem mountain. It means it means that Hashem took away our free will. When He put the mountain, it's like the free will. So how did He take away our free will by saying, "Anochi Hashem elokecha, Asheru tzeticha meeres Mitzrayim." Hashem came down and he started to make the mountain rumble and he brought lightning and thunder and he made the shofar sound and it was going crazy and uh, and he said, I am the Lord your God. Everybody heard it. Who took you out of Egypt? I'm the Lord your God. And this was uh, Hashem, when he said that, we had no more free will. We say, I'm in. I surrender. I love you, Hashem. I'll do whatever you want. 613, you got it. So, but it was still a little bit of a, uh, a forcement. It was. It was like it was a forcing, so to speak. So, and also the, the misvot of the rabbis, also the rabbanan, were not readily accepted at that time. But when Hashem showed His love, Tamapurim, and He revealed Himself in a secret manner, but an open manner, by by having Haman hang from the tree, and Mordechai getting the king's ring. This is something unbelievable. The Jews getting the go the green light. To kill 75,000 Amalekim. They killed 75,000 Amalekim, 75,000 Goyim. Can you imagine that? It's impossible to imagine. And they had a, 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 a special dispensation to, to do that, to have self-defense. And the government said, go right ahead. Go right ahead and defend yourself. And, and there'll be no, it'll be with impunity to kill those, uh, those Goyim. And we did it. So this, he said, take a look. Who's hanging over there? You know, the Bnei Israel were waiting. They were waiting for the, that fateful day. It didn't look too good at all. It looked terrible. 
They're waiting for the 14th of Adar. And, and it was signed, sealed, and delivered by the ring of the king. And who had the ring of the king? Hamar Soreha Yehudim. That was his name, by the way. He was called the Jew hater. Haman tells him in the, in the, in the Megillah. Sorer HaYehudim. He was known as the Sorer HaYehudim. So when they put that, the king put the ring on the Jew haters' finger. <clears throat> it was a terrible day for the Jewish people. They were availed. They were. They were. They were mourning. They knew this. This Haman had no mercy. He had no mercy for the Jews. <clears throat> All he wanted to do <clears throat> is devastate the Jews, kill them, and. And he put out a decree to do such a thing. The, the, all men, women, and children, destroy them all. One day, the whole world, he had the power over the whole world, 127 countries in the whole world. And he did it. He was ready to do it. And he had the power to do it. Now, the fathers and the mothers, you make the picture, they're waiting. They have, they're hiding behind the curtains in their homes. And they're waiting for Haman. <laughs> And the towns, but Haman didn't even have, that wasn't even at the, like, it wasn't like he was going to have the armies do it. He was having the neighbors do it, the people do it. When, when the Nazis marched in, they gave the Polish the go-ahead. The Polish, what did they do? They went to their, their neighbors. They had hundreds of years, but they lived with a, basically at peace. They used to borrow, uh, uh, tools from them and ladders from each other and their friends, maybe they were, the, the children used to come over, maybe they played a little basketball with each other, but they were basically had a respect and they lived in mutual peace for a thousand years. But once Hitler gave them the go-ahead, the green light, the Polish, the animal, and the Polish, they were always animals, but the animal came out from inside of them. It was revealed. Really, it was revealed what they really felt all along. And now that they were given the go-ahead, they went ahead and slaughtered the Jews with their own two hands, even worse, some, some places worse than the, than the Nazis. So over here with Haman, once he, once he gave that green light and he let the people go ahead and kill Jews and take, and take their property, these, these goyim were ready to do everything. They had the knives sharpened and they're ready to do it even without the armies and the policemen of Haman Rasha. Now, now the Jewish people, they were huddling in their homes. Just imagine, they're huddling in their homes. They're waiting for that fateful day. And, and uh, they're trying to uh, protect their children. Now, these, these kind of scenes also repeated itself during the, uh, during the uh, 1100s, 1200s times of cru crusaders. And, they, uh, and, the, and the Jewish people were being attacked by the, by the crusaders. And uh, they told them, convert or die. And many a home actually um, slaughtered their children rather than convert to Christianity. And this is what they made Kiddush Hashem. So over here, imagine again in that, in that picture of that faithful day. So they're coming to kill the Jews. And there's no defense. It's going to happen. And what happens? The, uh, the father or the mother opens up the shades of the windows. Seem, things, think, things seem a little bit quiet out there. They open the shade of the window. They can't believe it. And they look out the shades, and they see somebody hanging from the tree. And they look closely. They, they, they rub their eyes. They say, Haman is hanging from the tree. Oh, they can't believe it. Must be Gan Eden. How could Haman be hanging from the tree? He's second to the king. Oh, so this is the picture of Olam Abba, by the way. That's been Hafuku. That's upside-down world. That's the picture of Olam Abba. Now, they went out of their minds with Simha. That's the Simha. That's another part of the Simha. So you have to know we have so many enemies today and we always had enemies and the time will come that our enemies will be hanging. We won't have to do it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will do it for us. They'll be hanging and we will be looking on and enjoying the sight. In fact, the Tehilim tells us that the Tzadikim and the Ulam Abba, they are, they, are, they are bathing in the blood of, their, of the Rashaim, of the enemies. That's one of the, uh, that's one of the uh, Hana'ah of the, now don't get squeamish now. That's one of the, I didn't say, King, King David said, that's one of the Hana'ah that to know that there's repercussions. There's, for, there's revenge in the next world. There's revenge. Hashem takes revenge. 
and the tzaddikim will we'll do that. We'll see it. When they see it, there's going to be a big simcha. And we're going to see it. We'll be seeing it. Hashem will show it to us sometimes in this world, sometimes in the next world. It's a simcha to see your enemies hanging. Hashem is showing you that he loves you. That's the real simcha. That's the bottom line. So keep, in, keep on thinking thoughts of happiness, of how much Hashem loves us. And that will bring up the fountains of simcha that's in your mind. And it will start gushing forth. Noveya is the word. Yabi'u. Yabi'u noveya. It will be continuous overflowing. Zecher tov. Zecher rab tufcha yabi'u. Zecher rab tufcha yabi'u. Your good will come overflow. It'll come, it was like Kemayan Hamitkaber. Be like a a, 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 a a fountain that continues to get stronger. And then you'll keep the spigot of the fountain open, even in Nisan and Iyadin all year long. So once you get that fountain of Simcha going, it'll go all the way through to all year long. Now Now, the rabbi taught us we should have, this week we had Rosh Chodesh. And we have always, uh, we say this in Rosh Chodesh, because I learned this from the rabbi, that we have three principal thoughts, three major thoughts that we should always have for Rosh Chodesh. Once a month, at least once a month. And we should be working on these ideas every day. But at least let's try them on Rosh Chodesh. So first idea is spend one, month, one minute or more thinking about all of the abundant chesed we received from Hashem in the last 30 days. All the life, the eyesight, the hearing, the walking, the heartbeat, all the other things that we've received, and contemplate on them, think of them good. We're going to have it soon in Sefer uh, Debarim, in a while. Counts it. You should remember all of the journeys of your life. So that one minute you're going to remember all last month, all the journeys of your life, all the things that, you, that Hashem pulled you through. And it was a lot, a lot of them, a lot of things that he pulled you through. Time you had a stomach ache, you thought it wasn't going to end. Time you had a fever, you didn't thought it wasn't going to end. Many other times. You fell off the bike, you thought it was going to be a terrible fall, but it was only a sprained ankle. So we see, you have to remember those times. Make a, make a little booklet on those times. Not less than putting on tefillin, calling to Rabbeinu Yuna. Now, These thoughts these thoughts will fill up to the giver of them. Actually, this is our own this is our purpose to acknowledge the good we receive and give thanks forever. This is an obligation of all creations and includes all humans on this earth. to give thanks on all the things that Hashem is doing for us. The rabbi emphasized that praise and thanks to express gratitude to Hashem is for His unending kindness shown to us, which is an obligation to all created, all creations. Yetzurim, kol yetzurim doesn't say Yehudim, it says Shechen hovat kol yetzurim Second thought for Rosh Chodesh is to, to, to spend some time on asking Hashem for everything in the world, everything, more more and more and more life and ha happiness and Parnassah, and good family, and good children. Don't, and, and don't, don't be squeamish. Ask him for all the more you can. The more you ask Hashem for, the more you show yourself, and you show Hashem that he, you believe he can do everything, and that he's running the world. Now, in the Musaf, the third idea is, you know, in the Musaf Amidah, we say, So, actually, Rosh Chodesh is a time for atonement of sins and repentance. Now, Teshuvah, this definition of Teshuvah that we can take advantage of is improvement. So we try to take something that we're doing pretty good and turn up the heat, do it a little bit better. Whatever you're doing good, I'm sure you're doing a lot of good things, try to do it a little bit better. That's called improvement, and that's what we're here in this world for, to improve. Now, now we're saying in Hallel, that um, the Hallel is composed basically of Tehillim. It's written by David HaMelech with Ruach HaKodesh. Think about this and then and digest it. It's divine inspiration. Every word can be studied forever 
It's unlimited depth from Hashem. This is our Torah, and it's our Emuna and our Simcha. Whatever enters, increase your joy. At that end, we said in Yirat Shemaim. Ah, Mabibi Simcha. So we're giving another idea. Mabibi Simcha. Adar Mabibi Simcha in Yirat Shemaim. Seeing Hashem in the world is in your life. Purim is the source of Simcha now. In the Halel, we say, Odula Hashem Kitob. We say it a lot, many times. This is the first premise to gain that that Hashem is good. Now we have to digest that because we see a lot of things in the world that many times doesn't look so good. That people get sick, young people, this, that, all kinds of crazy things happen. And they're happening all your life, you're going to see them happen. And we shouldn't be stultified to it. Certainly, we should have Rahmanut about it, we should feel bad about it, we should pray for people. All, all kinds of things happen. And, and it may tend to work up, work on us. It could work on certain people to say, you know, first of all, it's happening without any hashkacha. These things are happening uh, by chance, willy-nilly. Nothing. That's the first thing. Second thing, you could say, look how cruel it is. Such a cruel thing. Must be the creator is not kind. He's not good. How good could he be? He, he, they, they, you know, in, in Egypt, they threw children into the river to eat, eat by the crocodiles. How good could that be? If God controls the world, how could he allow such a thing to happen? Now, these kinds of questions you have to come to grips with. But you have to know the first premise is, before you start to examine these kinds of things, you have to say, Hashem is good. My heart's beating. He's good. I'm born a Jew. He's good. Hashem created a world with air and food and water. That's very good. So Hashem vayad Elohim ekol God said in his old Torah, in his old Torah, after he created the world in six days, he said, I look back, I want you to know something very important. My, my children, I want you to know something very important. He goes, I, I examined the whole world, and it's not only good, it's very good. Very good. I want you to know it's very good. Hashem created, of course it's very good. Now, he wants you to know, you to know it's very good. He knows it's good, but he wants you to know how good it is. So we have to realize how Hashem is good. But by, by, how, how can we do that? By focusing on the good things that he does. He does a lot of good things. So start to focus on the good things and thank him for it. And, and if you're going to focus on the negativity, on the bad things, then you're going to be in trouble. You say, Hashem is not good. Or he's not running the world. Or things like that. Just people fall into that pit. You know, Sometimes you can't forgive people. A person is in Sa'ar. You can't forgive. You can't judge a person when he's in Sa'ar. Like we learned in Magilat Iyov. You can't judge a person when he's in Sa'ar. When he's in pain, he's not held accountable. A person's in pain. He's on his uh, deathbed. He's in a very bad pain. And he starts to say things against the religion, against Hashem. We don't, we don't judge him. Hashem doesn't even take that into account because the man's in pain. He's saying things that he doesn't mean. So we learn that. But, but we have to know, Abdul Hashem Kitob, Ulam Hasdo. Over here, the Rabbi is giving us a definition of Tov. Tov. We have to know Hashem, like Abraham Avinu saw, is O Kulo Chesed. Ulam Chesed Yibane. The Chesed Hashem, Malayah Ha'aretz, the kindness of Hashem, it fills the whole world. Look, examine anything in the world, you're going to see kindness. Chesed. And, 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 so how come he says, well, it doesn't say, when it says he created the Or, it says Kitov. It doesn't say Chasdo, it doesn't say Chesed. So over here, the rabbi is giving us a definition that Tov and Chesed. That Tob equals Chesed and Chesed equals Tob. So Hashem is all good, He's all Chesed. He's all Chesed, He's all good. We say in the Amidah, Rav Lehoshia. He is great to help. All of His greatness and power and kindness is to help. Study it and notice it. Tob Hashem Lakol. That Tob is that He's kind to all of His creations. Tob Yashar Hashem. He's good and he's straight. We say it every day. Now, now we'll be uh, citing a big sword in the Halel, which we did, and we should notice it. Every time we say it, Halel gets extremely. We get extremely excited about it. The fact that the that the word Halel, what it means, it means 
Hallelujah. Being excited. Get wildly excited about what? Get wildly excited about Hashem. Hallel, when we say Hallel means being excited. Now, if, well, if we were in Persia, Harasim Adai, about 2,400 years ago, we would have had a decree on us for extermination. Shalom, sealed by the king. It looked terrible. Avelut, mourning, was awful. But then we followed the instruction of our leader and prophet leaders and prophets, Mordechai and Esther, to fast and make Teshuvah. That was really the beginning of our salvation then, and it's really been our salvation throughout the ages, and really we should really look to it for our salvation now by listening to the Chachamim. The Chachamim. And when we did this, the Megillah tells of in Ahafochu, Hashem turned everything upside down. The whole, the whole story was turned upside down. Instead of him killing us, we killed Haman. And even the king allowed us to kill 75,000 Goyim. Our sworn enemy, Haman, after on the Megillah, he's called Sorer HaYehudim. Haman is Sorer HaYehudim. He's the Jew hater. This Jew hater. He woke up one morning and he has all the power of the king on his, of the king, on the, and the king's ring on his finger. What a terrible pahad. It's fear, fearsome. Fearsome. That Haman, who's a, 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 he's in a, he's in a, a He's an acknowledged Jew hater. Wants to kill, and he now has the power to do it. And all the Jews are living within the confines of the of his country, as our sworn enemy. He organized to exterminate. Excited on the Hillel, we excited for one towards one thing. Shiru Lot, we excited to Hashem, and we sing to Hashem, even though Hashem's name doesn't appear. Openly in the Megillah, we do not see any physical manifestation of Hashem. If you open your Torah eyes and mind, you can't help but see Him everywhere. As follows. And He says, Hashem, what can I repay you with Hashem? See, he was not a he was not He knows when you get something, you got to pay it back, or you got to try anyway. What can I pay you back, Hashem? How can I give you uh, acknowledgement? All means all of the gemilut chasadim, all of the good things you're showering me with. Now, King David had a tough life too. His his own son wanted to kill him. Now, but he saw so. Uh, 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 repay you, Hashem. You know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to raise my cup and I'm going to call out in the name of Hashem. But the first step is to notice that you're receiving benefits from my mom and my dad, my teachers, my customers, everybody, all the people. you got to acknowledge and realize if somebody holds the door for you, he holds the door open for you, receive the benefit. Number two, chew on the benefits and see how good they are. Number three, realize how much you appreciate the one who's giving them to you. And number four, now realize that you are in you owe them back. You're in debt. You're humbled in gratitude. You gotta be humbled. Nothing is for free in this world. You are in debt. And this will humble you. It's called humble being humbled in gratitude. And humility anava is the trait of Moshe Rabbeinu, which we're gonna have Zion Adar going to uh, um, uh, recount his demise and his birth on Zion Adar, which is coming up this week. Now and his 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 and his his uh, trait of all time is anava. The point that the Torah points to that Loha that there was no anav kemoshe. Hashem attests to it that there was no anav ever like Moshe Rabbeinu in the world. He was he was shafel besavlan, as she tells us. He was he was um. He was humble, humble, and patient. Patient. Nobody ever came up like Moshe. Now, you can never fully pay back Hashem or anyone else, but you must start trying. And how Hashem gives us opportunities. He gives us 613 opportunities. 613 is back. So, we say, We say it over here in Tehillim, another Tehillim by David Melech. We say, 
be happy, you Sadiqim, in Hashem. And, and thank him. He thanks for his great name. Thank you, thank you. So how do you be happy in Hashem? The rabbi you and he explains you be happy in all the things that he's given you. It means notice the blessings and appreciate them. Be happy with them. Where they came from. He said, but don't and he says, David Amilk also writes elsewhere, I'm happy in Hashem and all the things that he gives me. But of course, don't forget the they will do this and thank him for it. They will do the Zechekotsho. Thank Hashem for all the things he's giving you. And Amegilah, it says, Ish Yehudi Hayabishushan Habira Ushmo Mordechai Ben Yai Ben Shimi Ben Kish Ishimimi. Because there was an Ish Yehudi. There was a Jew. Ish Yehudi means usually from Shevet Yehuda, but we know that, that Mordechai came from Shevet Binyamin. He didn't come from Shevet Yehuda, but Mordechai was a Gadol Hador. Gadol Hador. He was a Sadiq. He was a Navi. Hakodesh, Navi. And, and they call him in the Megillah Ish Yehudi. And that's what we're known by. The Jewish people are not known as the Reubenim. We're not even known. We're known as the Yehudim. Yehudim means we are the ones. That is what we're here for. We're here in this world to thank Hashem. That's our main function in the world. To realize what we got and to thank Hashem for it. It's good. It means it's the greatest thing in this world. To thank Hashem. Realize what you got and to thank him for it. That's called Hakarat Hatov. That's the greatest uh, of character trait. That is the base, basic character trait of being a human being. Hakarat Hatov. It shows that you're not, you don't think you did it. You not have a gaava, arrogance. You say, no, I owe. I have Hakarat Hatov. Now, the great purpose of life is to gain Yirat Shemayim. Alim Asa Sheyiru Kohele tells us, Ken Yirat Shemayim. Yiru means to be aware of Hashem. Awareness of Hashem. Yirat means come from the word Re'eh, to see. Now this needs work and can be fortified in different ways. Learning Chumash and Rashi, with Rashi, you can gain the Yirat Shemayim. Learning Gemara, learning Musar, having a rabbi to emulate, being brought up in a home with, with respect of Chachamim and Torah values and more. The idea is defined in Torah to gain da'at. Da'at. La'da'at. The yede'u. Bida'atem. Da'at is clarified. Da'at is clarity and true understanding and vital principles. It's also sensory perception. That's the best da'at you can have. Sensory perception. That'll lead to a da'at of da'at da'at of, of the intellect and da'at of the, of the senses. Da'at of the intellect certainly is very important. When you can gain also through that of the senses when you can get take out uh, books that show you how the sukkah is built well, while you're learning sukkah you get the senses you can build the sukkah you have more of a understanding through your through your uh, through your senses sensory perception now it's one huh we have to get the dot that you have to try to get that picture in your mind that there's an eye watching, there's an ear hearing, and all of your deeds are written in the book. And it's another thing to live with clarity that Hashem is watching and writing in the everlasting book. This is da'at. This is the biggest da'at. The strategy for Yirat Shamayim to use is, as we said, emunah hushit, sensory perception. For example, when you say Kiddush every Erev Shabbat, or any holiday, or Yom Tov, you look at the wine and think you are pouring the emunah. Have that thought. You're pouring the emunah down your throat into your flesh. The emunah, that wine, you've just made a kiddush over the wine. The emunah is that Hashem created the world, yesh me'ayin, and he runs it. So you don't just leave it in the wine. Try to have an idea that you are incorporating those berachot into your actuality, into your, into your self, into your physical. You're taking that spiritual, putting it to your physical. You see animals in the zoo, for example. Notice the wisdom and the planning in each one. Every animal has wisdom in it. There's no end to it. How it eats grass and it turns the grass into milk, turns it into meat, turns it into leather. How does it do that? It turns grass and a little bit of water, meat, milk, 
However, that's an unbelievable thing. You have to notice how it how does it do that. That's called over to war. Shem is showing us his power and kindness. How does the sheep and wool? Sheep gets wool on his back. She eating grass is getting wool. So we have to try to notice that. Then you'll gain your mind. When you start to notice that, you'll see awareness of Hashem. Now, this is the, these kinds of, t- of thoughts and contemplation will bring to a very deep emunah. So let's think into the halal and all the joy that, Pur- that Purim brings as Hashem protects his people from our enemies now and then. Get very excited. So let's talk a little drop about Purim in the time we have left. First of all, We have to know that Hashem was pulling all the strings and planning everything as usual from day one, even though His name doesn't appear in the Megillah. This gives us the free will, the free will to be aware of Hashem and gain reward and Yirat Shemaim. So we don't see Him and we're still, we're still able to go ahead and exercise that free will because we think it's happening uh, naturally, as opposed to the Jews who were witnessing the splitting of the sea and saw the man coming down, they, their shame was, was wide open and their free will was basically uh, taken away, or most of it was. Now, we bring in ha- Haman out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Haman came from nowhere. Like a Hitler, Yimach Shemur, out of jail. To give power, to be given power and made a decree to exterminate all the Yehudim. Why? This needs a lot of study. Why, was it, why did this happen? Well, in Purim, it's wide open in the, in the, in the Megillah. And the, and the Chachamim tell us in, the, in, in Masechet of Megillah, we did not listen to our Chachamim to, not to go to the party. That is one of the main reasons that tragedy and travesty and devastation comes upon the Jewish people when they don't listen to their good leaders. Of course, in time of uh, in, in, the, in other times, we've had bad leaders throughout history also, and they've steered us the wrong way. They steered Jews the wrong way a lot of times. They had the bad leaders, the wrong leaders. And uh, in fact, during the uh, Holocaust period, there were many uh, fake leaders that told the Jewish people, it's going to blow over. Don't worry about it. This, this thing's going to blow over. It's not, nothing's going to happen. Whereas many of the, uh, the real leaders, they weren't listened to. The real good leaders, they, most of the Jews didn't listen to them. And, and by, by Purim, though, the Jewish people were given the... They had two great leaders that Mordechai and Esther, and they respected these leaders greatly. And then when Haman, when Hashem brought Haman, and like the Gemara tells us, when the, when the king took off his ring and put it on the on the finger of Haman, it's greater than taking off the ring of the king and putting on this this Jew hater's finger, it caused such a shockwave throughout the Jewish people, throughout the Jewish nation, that it was greater than uh, 48 prophets uh, giving rebuke to the Jewish people and seven prophetesses doing the same thing. They, they didn't listen as carefully as when Haman when Haman had the king's ring on his finger and now had a decree signed to, to exterminate the Jews. That, that sent a shiva, that sent a repentance amongst the Jewish people even more than prophets. It's a shame that it has to come to that. And uh, the time of Hitler, they also had that chance, but the reaction was not not as good. The, the, the end the end of it wasn't like the end of the Purim story. The Purim story had a happy ending by Hashem. Imam was hanging on the tree. The other story, we know, uh, 60, 70 years ago, did not have as happy an ending as Purim, that's for sure. That's for sure. And had the Jewish people reacted like they did in Purim, if they made Teshuvah, this is what I, this again, this I heard from my great rabbi. If they had made Teshuvah like they did then, there's no reason to think that the ending wouldn't have been the same as it was in Purim. That the whole thing would have been the uh, and Hitler would have been hanging what Hashem was hoping for. That's what he was looking for. That's what he was wanting. However, sometimes, you know, the operation was a success, but the patient died, as they say. And this, this patient didn't die. We're still alive. Jewish people are still alive, very much alive. But we lost a lot of limbs. It was a terrible operation. We lost a lot of limbs. So, now. This is Imunah number one, that Hashem is sending everything. Hashem sent Haman. Hashem sent Hitler. He sent Halmanetsky. 
He sent Titus. He sent all these Rishayim. He sent. He sent them. He sent them. You know, we have to. There's no. Other, there's no way around it. Okay. And that. That's our emunah. So. Why is he sending these things? That's the big. That's the big million dollar question, right? Everyone's know why is he sending? There was a lot of tzaddikim. They were surely they were, but Hashem doesn't want us to get lost in assimilation before it's too late. See, in Germany at those days, in Germany itself, fifty percent of the Jews were intermarrying. One out of two were marrying goyim, and that is not a good sign. Very, very not a good sign at all. And I don't want to tell you. I'm not going to say because I don't. Want, I don't want. I don't want to make a kitrug. But in America, it's much worse than that too. More than fifty percent. So, so we have to wake up, wake up before it's too late. Things are getting a little uh, hairy right now in the world. You know, we we look at the news; things are getting hairy in the world, getting a little scary in the world. And Hashem wants us to wake up, wake up, wake up ourselves. And then hopefully, when we can make a model, wake up our Jewish brothers that uh, that to, to to have akarat tov, to have to have to return to the Torah and mitzvot. Now. Now Megillah is called Megillah Esther, not Megillah Mordechai. You know why? Because Esther was the hero of the day, heroine. She was the heroine, not Mordechai. Mordechai certainly was the Sadiq, and he was the one that brought up Esther from nothing, and he taught Esther how to be everything she was, because he trained her. He trained her. So she was her. He was her uncle. He was her husband also later on, and he. She had no mother, no father, and she. Um, it's. Um, Vahi omenet hadasa is the word the Megillah uses. Okay, vahi omenet hadasa. He was loyal to hadasa, steadfast to hadasa. Hadasa, that's Esther. He raised her. He told her not to tell anybody where she was from. He told her to keep your mouth shut, and she did. She listened to him, and he told her, he taught her how to tell everything in the name Beshem Omro, and she learned the lesson real good. Because she learned that lesson real good, that broke the salvation. Because she she had great midot. That was her character traits. Because she had every reason not to tell the king that Mordechai told that Mordechai uh, uh, told her that Bigtan and Teresh were going to have plotted to kill the king. If she told the king in her own name, she would have gotten an extra, I don't know, million dollars or more love from the king or whatever. But she told it, and she said, she said, my dear king, you have to know that Mordechai told me. That Bikan and Tiresh want to kill the king. Omar said, Really? I owe him a favor. And he put it in the book, and the rest was history. Because when Haman came into the room, and and then Mordechai and Hashush uh, opened the book, he says, Hey, I owe Mordechai a favor. How come I, I didn't give him the I didn't pay him? So he told Haman to to to, to pay Mordechai and drag him on the horse and the, and, the, and 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 put the robes on and so on and so forth. And then this was the beginning of the end of the and everything turned around. That was the great holiday of, of Purim, and to be an understanding of everything in our lives that Hashem can turn everything around at any time when He sees that we are listening to Hachamim and we are by, by, by and He says and He sees bring them all together. Esther said, bring them all together. We have to have beyachad achdut togetherness in Yehudim. If you have achdut, then Hashem will bring down the Shekhinah. Like he brought it down, like it was brought down on Har Sinai by Yichan. We lent, we 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 dwelled like Keish Echad, Belev Echad. Have a good day.